Welcome everyone to House on Fire, an Austin Oaks Church parenting podcast, where we talk about all things parenting for every phase. Our desire is to help you raise the next generation of believers to be simply about Jesus. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And today I have the Jangs on the podcast with us. Can you guys say hello? Hi. Hello. <laughs> I love it. Well, grateful to have you guys on. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and whatever uh, fun details that you would like to share. So when people run into you at church, they can say, oh, you're the one with, I don't know, the pink cat or whatever it may be. That would be Chris with the pink cat. No. Um, so I'm Joan and um, I'm Chris Jang's wife. Because a lot of people know Chris, but may not know me or may not see me around too much. A lot of people do know Chris. They do. They do. Because I, I get I get people who come up to me and say, oh, you're Chris's wife. So, yes, I'm Chris's wife. Um, That's got to be just like a church ministry thing, I feel like. It, <laughs> it is very much that way. Um, but, yeah, so we've been married for going on 13 years. We have two children. Um, Shiloh, who's seven, and Andrew, who just turned four yesterday. Um, we moved here from California. We're the typical Californians uh, moving to Texas. Sorry. We still like you. It's I, fine. Thank you. I apologize. Um, but we moved out here three years ago. Um, just completely on faith, really. Uh, to spend more time with our family and our children. And anyway, so yeah, I am, um, I'm a pediatric nurse um, and have been doing that now for 12 years. And right now I'm actually on a little sabbatical. Cool. Which we'll share more about in a bit. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And I am Christopher, otherwise known as Chris. I have never heard you ever say Christopher before. <laughs> Jang. Chris Jang. Um, anyway, I am also the new Community and Connections Director. It's kind of a title that uh, we're not too big on titles, to be perfectly honest. Um, but my role has been to serve and direct the AOC Sports Outreach Ministry, um, where we're on the front lines, a welcome at ministry that invites people to come to church in every way possible um, through athletics, physical activity, engagement, and earning the right to share the gospel, earning the yeah. right to invite them to more, which is what we believe. So it's an honor to serve here. Um, my wife also served in the Mops and Max Ministries yeah. while she was here. And uh, we're just we're very excited for this next season of Austin Oaks Church, and we're excited to see what's happening here. Yeah, for sure. And if you remind me, you correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but I'm pretty sure I was a part of... The first winning championship basketball team, <laughs> correct? Yes, you are a very big part. Um, you took care of the bench. <laughs> you, you fouled out. You I, I did one time knock a, a, a woman over in playing basketball, <laughs> yes. if I remember correctly. Yes, Pastor Lucas is the reason we can't make it co-ed at certain times. Um, <laughs> after trucking someone half his size. Um, now, to her credit, um, she bounced right back She up did. I was... I was impressed. Laughed. Yeah. She <laughs> laughed it off and just, and she looked at me and said, no foul. Because so, <laughs> I didn't see it. I was the ref. And I was like, I'm the most blind ref ever because I get into the game and I love watching and cheering everybody on. And so I didn't even realize the brutality that which wow. Pastor Lucas shared on the basketball course until I went to a Tough mutter with him. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh. Right. And he trucked yet another lady <laughs> down a mudslide. I literally oh, I ran her that. over. Um, he ran her off the mudslide into the bushes with yes. a shoulder and a hip. This is true. And then uh, he crashed down, and that was our. And I quickly ran away, so I was like, "Maybe I'll get <laughs> lost in the crowd, and she won't know who did this." Oh, I forgot. We man, we've had some good times, Chris, in our few years hanging out. So, um, well, cool. Well, today we specifically want to talk about um, like parenting through faith and fear with a child with special needs. And so your guys's family dynamics, there's been a few changes and things that have taken place. And so you guys are growing and learning through this process. And so uh, maybe just start off with kind of telling us about this, this new phase that you guys are in and kind of what you're learning and kind of what God's teaching you and the things that you're going through here. Okay. So 
Um, so earlier this year, um, our son, Andrew, who I said just turned four yesterday, yeah. um, was diagnosed with autism. He is autistic. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this year has really just been, I mean, to be honest, it's been difficult and it's, yeah. uh, there's been a lot of changes. There's also been a lot of growth and, um, just from my own perspective, it's, in, I, I mentioned earlier, I've, I've been a pediatric nurse for, for 12 years, but nothing prepares you, um, you know, when it's your child. Yeah. And I also didn't really work with, um, I work mainly with physical disabilities. And so this is, this is also new to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I will say, and we'll, we can talk more in detail, but uh, throughout this, I have seen God's provision and we do believe strongly that um you know he's guiding us through this this difficult season yeah yeah there's absolutely no question about that and uh joan's been incredible so she was working full-time as we got the diagnosis and then we got him into therapy and uh we saw tremendous growth but there was tremendous pressure um at home because uh both Mm. of us were trying to work from home at times at time at the time i was part-time only directing the aoc sports ministry but it was we were coming back from covid we were fighting through covid and we were trying to reopen the church and trying to reestablish events uh trying to find a way to do outreach yeah and so we had done a lot of work partnering with a local company uh camp gladiator has christian foundation headquartered here in austin texas and we provided outdoor and virtual training and then that really got busy because it kind of really took off um all the leagues really started taking off again and with this um, you have to try and get some work done at home. And yeah. we found that more and more difficult. Oh yeah. Um, so once, and then when we got Andrew into therapy, Shiloh had her summer vacation. So <laughs> then we were double teamed and, um, it's a lot of divide and conquer, but it has to begin with faith. Faith can provide that unconditional support for each other. I have to be the father. I have to be the leader in my household, but I also have to support my wife's motherhood. I have to submit to that motherhood and I have to serve it. And the way I lead it is by establishing, okay, the decision that we're making, is it faith-based or fear-based? And that's why I thought, uh, you know, parenting through faith and fear was an appropriate title here. Because one of the things that I uh, really want to encourage everybody is the decision of faith and fear, a faith-based decision and a fear-based decision might be the same decision. Mm. But what we need to check is our hearts. We need to check and align our hearts with the mission and glory to God. And if we can do that, then even a fear-based decision can be a faith-based decision. Faith must overrule fear. Uh, perfect love casts out fear as he teaches us. So when we make decisions in faith, they are done in love. They are done in conquest. They are done with a vision of things above and beyond, uh, to put it simply a big picture view, Mm -hmm. an eternal picture view. Mm -hmm. How have you guys seen, um, like what fears have popped up, you know, Mm -hmm. in this season and just, you know, I, um, I remember as a camp, I mean, I'd only been in Austin Oaks for like, I was here for two weeks. First week I went to MS middle school summer camp. And the second week I went to camp, uh, Barnabas. So the first two weeks here, I was not actually physically here, (laughs) which was crazy. (laughs) But, but I remember, uh, about four years ago, my wife calls me, I'm I'm at camp Barnabas. We're serving, uh, primarily teenagers of a variety of special needs. And she calls me and says, Hey, the doctor says like, there's like a crazy high chance that our son's going to have, uh, uh, a disability of some sort. I forget if it was autism or what it was. And so I'm, I'm like looking around, like we're serving students and kids who have a, you know, special needs of a variety. And I'm thinking to myself, man, like the first thought in my mind was so simple. I'm like, I don't want this. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and all, you know, all of these, these health issues that he was having while in the womb and he's fine, I guess, or whatever that even means. He, he, it turned out that he didn't have that. But, mm-hmm. but I remember there was, some of the first thoughts I had were sinful and fear and fear, you know, and again, not, it's not, not to, I'm not trying to compare that at all with, but just my first thought and reaction was like, okay, what have I done wrong? What, what, 
how could have I fixed this as a dad and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. what, what type of like fears have you guys had to work through in this season? Um, I mean, I think honestly on a day to day, my fear is like, am I going to get some sleep? <laughs> yeah. Because we, that is a big thing. Um, sleep issues, um, and autistic children. I mean, that's very common. So we don't get enough sleep. We, we were up at, four between four and five a.m this morning because andrew was awake and he wanted chicken nuggets so i woke chris up and said we're (laughs) making chicken nuggets at 4 a.m for the past two nights um and then there's also you know like you said i mean you you saw kids who were older right and so interestingly we also actually at our previous church in california we had a ministry called friends of angels who was specifically for um, kids and families with autism. And so we would volunteer. Um, and so, and also again, just even our, our, my professional experience, but the fear is more like, what does this mean for the future? Mm. You know, um, Shiloh, our daughter asks me things like, will Andrew drive? Mm. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's very possible, but I can't answer that. You yeah. know, will he be able to live on his own? I don't know. I can't answer that. Yeah. So those are um, those are some of the concerns, I guess, that initially came up. Yeah. Yeah. And from um, my perspective, um, and this might be a little bit interesting uh, to talk about because I don't feel a lot of fear in that sense. My biggest yeah. fears or concerns that I lift up the most is, is my wife going to get some sleep? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, can I take care of my wife in this? Cause if I can take care of my wife, I can take care of my children. Um, it's like, if I can love God, well, I can love God. I can love others. Well, um, so I rely on that. And, uh, she is my first ministry. She is my first responsibility after that's my children. And, um, that's how I live by faith. When I found out that um, Andrew was autistic, um, I can tell you honestly, um, remarkably, uh, this is the grace of God, but I still do not care. Hmm. I absolutely don't. He's perfect to me. He's my little man. Uh, he's my little buddy. Um, I could care less. I don't care what, uh, in general, I'll tell you, I'm very blatantly like not one of those guys that is affected by what other people think of me yeah. or my family, what we're doing. If my kids are being loud in a whole foods market, cause we're playing and running around the Island, people will stare at us or something like that. Um, but my kids are having the time of their life and, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just, it's just different. Um, I also, I am always kind of thinking of the big picture. I always think of like, mm-hmm. what is, if I buy something, what does that mean for Joan? What does that mean for Shiloh? What does that mean for my mom? What does that mean for our family? What does that mean for Andrew? Mm-hmm. I kind of take a, it's really weird um, that I take, I see some things and I have this kind of vision of what it means on each scenario. And um, that's gifted me in regards to serving in ministry. But as Joan alluded to, um, in an interesting way, I think God prepared us for this as best as he could mm-hmm. or as much as he needed to. Um, as God will reveal things to us as our life and seasons change, um, more and more is revealed to you. Um, but there's, it, I find it no coincidence that every church I've worked with and partnered with has had a special needs ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not only served in those camps, but I helped lead them. I helped run them. I helped manage them. I organized the groups and the partnerships. And now I come to Austin Oaks church and they have a special needs camp. Yeah. Um, and then um, as I find out uh, this August 14th, and this is actually in a very interesting circle that God is putting together that he may or may not be leading on, but, uh, we're going to go with it. We're going to see where he takes it. But, um, mm-hmm. on April is autism awareness month. I had no idea. This is still new to us. And, uh, another trainer of camp gladiator posted, Hey, it's autism awareness month. Where are my other trainers? Um, post a picture of your family. And so we all did. And there was about 50 of us. There's about a thousand trainers just to give you perspective all over the nation. Um, and so, something God stirred my heart in that. So I shared a picture of my son and I said, we just found out and they were so encouraging. And I reached out to a couple of the parent trainers and just asked them, how are you doing it? Like, um, I'd like to feed on some of your experience because yeah. they've all been through it for, I mean, mm-hmm. um, my friend Barbie Klecka, 
who Joan will soon meet. Um, her son is 17 years old, and uh, she became a single mom, and she raised three kids, uh, the oldest of which was autistic. And um, she's been there, done that. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and she's kept the faith. Um, she's also like the lead of her chamber of commerce uh, hmm. on top of being a trainer. She, it's a small town where she's from. So she's like, you wear a hundred hats and yeah. everybody knows each other. And so um, if it wasn't for the small town, um, I wouldn't have had that village to help raise my son. Yeah. Everybody knows my son. They, he's probably more famous than I am. <laughs> she jokes around like that. So I picked That's her brain awesome. and um, we're going to be reaching out to groups and families and seeing if we can connect um, these dots that God has put together here. And um, I'm looking to create a new nonprofit ministry in partnership with Austin Oaks Church and Camp Gladiator to serve families with special needs, to get them active, moving. And, uh, you know, I'm right now I'm looking at the term CG shine. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. anyway, I plant that seed right now because um, there's, there's vision here. There's where God creates, I want to say, where God creates adversity and circumstance. And as you struggle through that on a daily basis, um, lean on that faith mm -hmm. because God's purpose and plan must be revealed to you on his timing. He knows when it's right to reveal it to you. Mm -hmm. If you try to go chase it down and get it, you might create your own stumbling block. Mm -hmm. You have to wait for these things to come together. Even on this, I'm very impatient. I'm very impatient. I'm a very to-do action-oriented kind of guy. If there's an idea, I want to implement it. It's very hard for me to hold back. That's why I need a Pastor Chad to supervise for me. Um, I need others for accountability to tell me no. And our leadership does a great job of that here with me, <laughs> knowing that I have a lot of crazy ideas that come in from talking to one person, talking to another. Um, but as God brings it all together, um, I don't think, think it's a secret where he's brought me and my family from step one, serving with foster youth, um, special needs kids and foster youth, creating a foster youth ministry in California that we ran for 15 years. That's actually how Joan and I met. Well, what? <laughs> um, and then uh, she became a volunteer. And you remember, you, you never date a volunteer when you're leading an organization. <laughs> Unless you're Chris Yang. Now, um, and then, <laughs> but you better get married. And that's what we did. So, um, But we met serving foster youth. And the one thing we learned is that they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, we thought when we started working with youth, when we started working with kids, that they would just listen to us because we were cool, because we were educated, because we believed in God, because we knew this, because God anointed us in this mission. Um, we thought... We would be listened to. We were wrong. We had to earn it. In every single relationship, we had to earn it. And we realized, holy cow, we have to actually earn the right to share what we believe. Yeah. How do you do that? How do you do that? And so um, that's what my ministry, my personal ministry has become. Um, earning the right for that next step in every single step we take. And we do that with our family. Um, the greatest fear right now to be perfectly honest, the only fear that I have is that what if my children make their choice to not believe in Jesus so mm -hmm. that they're not with me forever? Mm -hmm. That would be like the only real fear that I can tell you that I have. Yeah. Other than that, um, you know, I lean on Christ and uh, with Jesus on my side, who can be against me? Yeah, for sure. How have you seen your guys' faith grow and develop and your trust in the Lord in this particular season? So I, I keep going back to, and sorry, I can't say exactly where in the Bible this is, but the story where uh, the story of the blind man yeah, or that was born blind, who was born blind and um, how they asked Jesus, whose sin was it that caused this mm. man to be born blind? Um, and Jesus says it, it wasn't someone's sin. It was so that the glory of God can be seen through him. Mm. Is that correct? <laughs> and so that keeps coming to mind again, you know, even before Andrew's diagnosis and the work I was doing as a pediatric nurse and seeing, you know, kids with congenital, you know, uh, conditions, uh, deformities, um, things that you would never see out in public, yeah. you know, and even, <clears throat> excuse me, 
I just always remembered, and I think I mentioned this to Chris, but I'm like, I see Jesus in these kids. I see, I don't know, they minister to me because I see him when when we're working, when I'm working yeah. with them. Um, now it hits closer to home, you know, yeah. like it hits at home. <laughs> um, but I've seen... And I've seen it in our family how Andrew brings out like this amazing good in others. I see it, you know, his sister, especially Shiloh. I mean, I and I told her that that it's been the most beautiful thing mm-hmm. to watch our daughter, you know, how she interacts with him, how she loves him. You know, we talk about autism she asks questions um she's so incredibly patient with him Mm -hmm. when she has no patience for anything else or anyone else um chris and i are both not very patient people um but i've seen that i saw even you know when we were in california when we visited our family i saw it in my nephew um manu who's nine who you know is the first time that we've gone back since Andrew's diagnosis. And so we shared with our family, but I just saw how they interact with them and how he brings out like just kindness and, and patience and yeah. other people. That's so, awesome. Yeah. The, the passage is uh, John nine and mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, verse, verse one says, and he passed by uh, this being Jesus. And he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? And he was born blind. So in that culture, like if you had a, mm-hmm. a physical ailment, they just, you know, thought that like, well, you've done something wrong, that exactly. God's punishing you kind of thing. And so Jesus answered, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So that's right. pretty awesome passage of scripture. Yeah. And that's, I mean, came to mind immediately for me. Um, and it, I, I think about it. And so, you know, we're talking about parenting through faith and fear. I I have a lot of fears, but when, when I exercise my faith, I guess, when I practice my faith, I look for those moments where Mm. God is showing himself through my son. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Chris, what about you, man? Have, Have you seen your faith grow and develop in this season? Yeah, I think uh, in a lot of ways, um, you value every moment even that much more. Every single moment. It's like um, I I can sit with my son and do nothing. He's watching these shows on TV, and you have to watch them over and over and over again. You got them all memorized. They're ingrained in your head. <laughs> but you can just sit with him and hug him, and you can just hold him over there. And I, can do, I do that for hours. And there's a part of my mind... Um, you know, the enemy attacks and says, Chris, you got to get this done. You got to get this done. You got to get this done. You know, he's okay right now. Just step away and get some work done. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. So in that sense, I love how God has taken my scattered mind and given me some focus. It's also helped me focus with my wife and I'm able to encourage her and remind her, this is not your fault. You're doing great. These are things that normally I would kind of expect her to just know that I feel. If that makes sense. Like she can read my mind like, come on, I got your back. You know, when I put that ring on your finger, that means everything positive. Just go with that. (laughs) You know, you should not have to question anything anymore. But the truth is, um, especially now, um, God's given me more compassion than I've ever had in my life. Joan will tell you that. She used to call me the Tin Man, you know, just because. He doesn't um, have a heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, He does. It's in there. Yeah. Able to. And God is grown that heart and he's added compassion to it where it hasn't been there uh, Mm. before and uh, being able to serve in that. And also we've been surrounded um, by amazing families, um, Callister and Alima uh, who served with me in youth ministry. And um, you know, they were a big part of that ministry, friends of angels and um, uh, Alima gives us great advice. Um, Her older brother, is autistic. And so she's been able to really support us and share with that with incredible understanding. So her and Joan have always gotten along great. And, uh, you know, so it's interesting how God has orchestrated such amazing provision and compassion around mm. us, uh, to see that. And yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And Andrew, it's like, I, you know, it's amazing. It's just interesting. It's just, uh, I just, 
I have no doubt that he's going to do great things, that something amazing is going to happen from him and Shiloh too. So it's, it's pretty incredible to see my family kind of come together. Um, even my mom who doesn't understand a whole lot. Um, she's being a little bit more patient. She's softening her heart. Um, there were times when my family would, you know, Andrew would have a fit and they'd want to blame each other. We'd want to blame each other. Like, why'd you do this? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? But it came to a point where we're like, you know, we have to come together. The harmony of believers is being watched more than ever right now. If we can't stick together when our son is having a tantrum in public or whatever, when we can't shield away the eyes that glare and stare and judge and love more then uh, we're not going to represent Christ well. Yeah, Christ is not going to be glorified in our interaction. So being able to remind that and see the Holy Spirit work inside our heart in the middle of a van ride, you know, when son is screaming and, uh, uh, and the Holy Spirit comes and intercedes and we pray. And then you hear grandma say, Joan, I'm sorry. And Joan say, I'm sorry, mom. And just everybody saying, it's not your fault. Yeah. And recognizing that, um, that is the glory of God that, each of us individually needs at that time. Mm. And um, Shiloh was able to see that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she sees it from start to end. But what she sees is, yes, we can get annoyed. We can cause arguments. Andrew can cause high stress in regards to some of his outbursts. And Shiloh sees it happening. Yet she can see the difference when the Holy Spirit intercedes. And then all of a sudden, one voice of wisdom is all it takes from me, mm. Joan, or my mom to say, Calm down, pray, forgive, edify, unify, you know, and then, um, uh, and then Shiloh is able to see that. Yeah. So to me, that's very empowering as a father mm. to see that. So it reminds me of that, the accountability of that, that, uh, uniting your family, every precious moment, the accountability for that is huge Yeah. as a father. You, you, you have to check in every couple hours. Anytime I have a break, I'm checking in. You got to check in. How are you doing? Are you sleeping? Are you resting? And uh, the enemy will distract you and say, well, you don't have time to check in or just don't listen. You know, you got something else to do. Um, but we always check in constantly throughout the day. How yeah. was drop off? How was pickup? How is he doing now? Are you getting any rest? All these things, just checking each other. Um, it's cool. And then, um, also just <laughs> the patience, being able to laugh at some of these moments. Um, you know, I want to share one with you guys. Um, Andrew likes his chicken nuggets or his French fries or his yogurt. And he's <laughs> going to get it no matter what. I mean, people say, okay, they, you know, Andrew has a hard time communicating. I say, no, he has a great time of communicating. He's the most efficient communicator <laughs> I know. He says, yes. yogurt. And you're like, how about chicken? Yogurt. <laughs> All right. No. And, and then, you know, what? okay, I'm going to get him some yogurt. All right. Okay. How about chicken next time? How's some French fries? You want this? You want that? Yogurt. All right. And I'll be like, okay, okay. You know what? I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stand my ground, bro. All right. Andrew, you want some yogurt? You know what? No. Okay. Yogurt. No. Takes my hand, walks me to the fridge. <laughs> What's that? No. Daddy's standing strong right here. I'm teaching my son a lesson, y'all. You know, I, I got this. I got this. Uh, points to the yogurt. Yogurt. No. French fries. Check in. Broccoli. <laughs> yogurt. No. And then there's a little pause. And then, ah, yogurt. Yogurt. Ah. You know what I do? I get him the yogurt. <laughs> Most efficient communicator I've ever seen in my life and he does if he wants chicken he's gonna get chicken eventually no but um I, but mm-hmm. being able to laugh at these precious moments mm-hmm. and i can see it in my mind and see his face and uh you take you don't you, you don't take any smile for granted mm-hmm. you don't take every moment you take those moments like that when most people would freak out and yes it's stressful and it can be just like but you're just like <laughs> you you laugh and you mm-hmm. are able to enjoy you literally are able to enjoy some of the outbursts and some of the struggle and some of the heart mm. that no one can relate to. You enjoy, <laughs> it's crazy. You enjoy some of the judgment 
some of the criticism. Yeah. Some of the looks that you get in the store, that you looks you get in the playground, and you embrace it. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? And you know what? If they can see me love a little bit more beyond this, and can you see me nod um, apologetically, even disturbing your time, excuse us, excuse us, smiling, kissing my son while he's screaming and kicking and yelling, um, may they see Jesus in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. How can others support you? I think this is something that... Um, I think, I don't know, I have a very skewed perspective just because of how I grew up and I always felt like in a rural community that I was in, like support came a little easier. Mm. And just like the the community aspect of just having other people to come around and and help provide things or have somebody to call in a pinch and you know they're going to answer the phone, you know? Like not everybody has that. And so how, how does that look like for you guys? And how can others... Um, you know, what, what, or maybe just what does support look like for you guys and what you need? Cause I've also learned as somebody who, uh, yeah, I don't really ever accept help from other people. <laughs> like I just, it's, it's a sinful thing that, that I struggle with, but also I have two hands and I'm a very capable man. And so, um, there's a lot of ignorance in that, but just like, how can others support you and, and what support types of support do you guys need? Um, there's well definite so just the other day i talked to tanchita actually she called me um we ain't ain't getting a new house oh that no 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 no. (laughs) oh oh, she yeah she sells houses right right. right. okay yeah yeah no um but we hadn't talked in a long time and and it was a different topic but anyway kind of shared what's been going on and she just said to me like um you know if you ever need to call someone just for prayer, just call anytime. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, for someone I don't talk to all the time, yeah. but who's in our church community, <clears throat> that was huge. Yeah. Um, so prayer for sure. And then from like a practical perspective, I don't cook, so <laughs> my husband needs food. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, the na- no, it's, it's true. And the neighbors have been feeding him. Um, he no. eats a lot. He, yes, he is the most expensive date. I, the most expensive date. I remember our first time at Kirby Lane, and he ordered two meals. Okay, our, f- our first sushi date cost $400 because he ate so much sushi at my favorite, most expensive Whoa. sushi restaurant in, in LA. <laughs> Chris, you may, Sorry. dude, this, this is like borderline sinful. Maybe like this is, well, he paid for oh it. Oh my gosh. Clearly. The, yeah. the chef and owner came up to me and thanked me and just, uh, he just, he didn't even speak a word of English. It was Nozawa. It was the guy that the Seinfeld episode of the soup guy was, uh, the soup Nazi. D- yeah, the, that, that, um, that episode was modeled after. So this guy, you don't order, you don't talk on a yep. phone, you just sit down and you, eat whatever he gives you. Yep. And so uh, pretty soon um, they just started recognizing that they had something special at this table. And so they would the guy, <laughs> bring the, more food. The, the, the waitress would say, he never looks or talks to anybody. And the guy's like looking at me, nodding, just says, and it's like, you could see it in his eyes more. And I'm like, <laughs> bring it on, bring it on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. It's an honor. Bring it on. All right. And he goes, Okay. You know, and he sent me food. And then finally he comes up to us at the end of our meal and he bows to me. Doesn't touch my hand or anything like that. Doesn't touch my hand. Just like, good eating. <laughs> and then he just left. And, <laughs> and the waiter was so blown away. She's like, I've worked with him for two years. He does not do that. I'm like, okay. I, okay. Excellent. And then I saw the bill and I'm like, oh, gotcha. That's All why. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, but actually, honestly, the neighbors have been feeding him. Our friends who live in Cedar Park sent us a a DoorDash gift certificate. That's awesome. Um, So those kinds of things, I mean, it it, it means a lot. It's like, hey, you're thinking about us. Um, And the day-to-day, I mean, like, I'm still trying to find, um, I guess, other moms that I can talk to directly. I need practical strategies also. in terms of how to handle like meltdowns also 
how to have a routine. I, you know, we were talking about that earlier with your wife, um, Lucas, and I am the last person to have a routine. I actually yeah. took this personality test and I'm like the quintessential free spirit. Like every day is like, okay, what are we doing today? And that's kind of how I've been. My whole life, even with my kids, it drives Chris crazy because he's the most organized person I know. Um, but I need I need help with those things. Like, help me have a routine, a schedule. Um, and just, yeah, or just somebody to talk to who understands yeah. uh, the day-to-day of what, what our life is like right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's a fine balance there. And this is where um, the most... I want to speak on behalf of families as I get to know them from support groups, reading their posts and supporting one another. There's an autism dad support group. There's uh, autism inclusivity groups, all these groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody talks about the same thing. Um, here's what is needed for families in this sense. Um, give them a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. Give us grace, compassion, and understanding. Mm. Uh, reserve your judgment. Practice mm-hmm. not being judgmental. Yeah, This is the ultimate practice tool um, because we feel the eyes and we don't miss them. In other words, when you stare, we, we notice. Yeah. It, it, because it always happens. It's second nature. And um, those are the moments... Um, where we need some compassion. We're like, uh, you know, there will be parents saying, you know, your child doesn't believe belong in that playground. I'm like, I understand. I understand. You know, these are real conversations and real exclusions that happen. Yeah. And while we understand that uh, our son can't be everywhere and do everything the same way and that type of stuff, um, there's a part of this where the community has to unite. Mm. Um, if there are other families um, that have experienced, that have a heart for, um, special needs. Um, just like with the project I was talking about earlier, the vision that God put in my heart, I'm gathering a list of trainers to connect them with families, um, that they can talk about physical needs, just doing things together, being active. Here's something else. Um, a lot of parents can't do a thing. There's Mm -hmm. mothers that can't take showers. They can't wash their hair. They can't get a manicure. They can't do these things because they can't leave their child. Yeah. Um, because a, no one will babysit for them. B, no one can babysit for them, and C, or C, they can't afford it. Um, these are ways that we, as a church, can support some of these families. If you're out there and you're listening and you're in isolation, stop being isolated. Um, mm-hmm. Let the church be the church. Come together. Contact us. Let's let's figure out a plan together. You know, um, these are things that, in a lot of ways, only these families can understand each other's. Yeah, it's like um, I'm going to use sports as an example here. Like Lucas, um, when we play basketball with guys, you might meet guys from different beliefs, different political backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, different cultures, and all that stuff. But on that basketball court, we're the same. And you know what? Um, right after the game is over, we're bros. That's yeah. how it is. Um, mm-hmm. There's a unifying factor in that. Same goes with families. Um, you know, so I want to reach out to you, um, and I want to encourage you. To reach out you are not alone you are understood and you mm-hmm. are welcome here mm-hmm. and that's my message to you and uh if if this podcast does anything um i hope it opens the doors for people to connect to reach out and like lucas like you said ask for help i'm horrible at it um i want to my instinct is to help not to ask for help yeah you know um it's it's a little bit backwards and I have to be careful about that a little bit more and I'm getting better at it. God willing, because, um, quite frankly, because of our family situation. Yeah. And now I'm understanding the value of help, but I'm also now God's opening my eyes to how much other families really need help. Yeah. So, um, just like we came together for the, uh, ice apocalypse, you know, and we banded together and united to give water, things like this. Um, there are more families, with specific needs of support and help, listening ears, uh, someone to pray with, someone to say, I understand I'm listening and I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you're doing wrong, tell you how to raise your child, tell you what your kid's doing wrong, tell you what your child can't do. No, I'm here just to listen to you, to support you as your brother or sister in Christ. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, That's what is needed for these families, for these parents, for these kids, for these individuals more than anything else from all the research, all the feedback that I get, all the, uh, 
all the posts that I read, all the even all the books and education that I read, um, everything is telling them to do this, telling them to do that. You know what? How about just listening first? Yeah. Earn mm-hmm. the right to share the gospel. Yeah. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I'll keep saying it. For sure. <clears throat> what are what are things that are offensive for people to say? And the reason I, I, I think this is an important question to ask, because I remember when we first started fostering, and a, and a particular person, you know, like interrupted me and they felt the need to tell me that, oh, that they were doing it as well and they are fostering a dog. And I thought to myself, if this person was physically present in front of me, I was going to whoop his rear end. Like it was so offensive to me to, to compare fostering a child to an animal. It was so offensive. Mm-hmm. It like, mm-hmm. anyway, I, mm-hmm. I kept my sinful thoughts in my mind and it was a phone conversation. And I thought to myself, like, Lucas, in what ways do you have conversations with people and try to compare? Mm-hmm. And all, and I found that with fostering, when people ask, mm-hmm. they tried to they tried to find some way to relate or to compare. And I think just to genuinely express like the, mm-hmm. a dialogue, which so like I don't necessarily think that like in the conversation I had with this person that they like meant it that mm-hmm. the way that I took it, and I could have taken it wrong as well. But it was it was very offensive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, to compare caring for a child for an animal. And I mean, I love animals, but just, so I've just observed that when people aren't necessarily sure what to say, there's like a comparison or they try to think of things. So like in your guys's just experience, has there been things that are like offensive that people should just stay away from saying, and there may not be, but just, I think it's helpful for people and just in, in everyday conversations, you know, like to, to try to consider and think about how others may take what they're saying. Um, I've been really blessed to, I, I don't get offended. I mean, I'm married to Christian. <laughs> I have no more needed to be I, said. Thank you. So I, thank yes, you. ma'am. You I, understood yes, that. Ma'am. Um, I have really thick skin. I also, um, and I, 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 I do think this is a gift. I, 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 my perception of people is usually like a good one. Hmm. Like their heart's in the right place. I never assume that people want to offend or hurt me. For sure. Um, And so, yeah, I I have, you know, experienced some of that where people are just trying to find ways to relate and it's not offensive, you know, at all. I can say I'm learning, though, about what is offensive to the autistic community. Yeah. So, and I can't even speak on that because again, I'm still learning, but for us, I think it's, you know, again, it's, you know, I guess what, what would be, I guess, you know, what would be helpful is like, like you said, just listen, um, without judgment. You know, I do find myself like just not wanting to go out Mm -hmm. as much. And I love being out and about, but cause I'm like, oh, this is just exhausting. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't. For me, it's more like I have, I don't want to have to explain myself. I don't want to have to, um, apologize that, um, I, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do this play date. I can't go here. I can't do this anymore. Like right now, maybe not anymore, but right now, um, the things I used to be able to do, I just can't. Yeah, for sure. So that would be my perspective. Yeah. I think when, uh, Joan and I, Gosh, we really don't get offended that much. Um, you know, we, you know, we believe, you know, that everybody's God's child. And, uh, you know, again, it's like you'd have a hard time convincing us that you're trying to be mean to us unless uh, God reveals that to us, I guess. Um, the one thing that would probably that I've noticed that can touch us is if somebody is not treating another person well. Like, uh, if if you're not treating us well, we might not even notice. I mean, we love you. You know, we're going to, we don't believe you're trying to hurt us, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, unless it becomes obvious, you know, that type of thing. But, um, but if somebody's hurting someone else, it bothers us. Um, you know, Joan and I are very united in that. We're both similar in that we feel compassion for that. And for me, that's not natural. It's for something that God has gifted me with recently. Um, but also, something that's always personally offended me is seeing other Christians not represent him well, mm-hmm. um, especially in these circumstances, in these families, um, with the struggles. Um, you know, it's, 
frustrating for me when Christians do not rise above and be more compassionate than non-Christians. Yeah. And in the support groups, um, you know, and in real life, you don't see that everywhere. Um, you know, I remember something that um, Pastor Brandon taught us when he was talking about politics from the pulpit. And he was talking about be interested, but never be consumed. Mm. And that stuck mm. with me a lot. Um, because regardless of what you're feeling, be interested, be interested in these fans, be interested in situations, in conversations, uh, but don't be consumed with it. Like, um, is your voice that important? Is your yeah. opinion that important? Um, you know, on Facebook, people ask me like, why don't you make statements and da, 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 da. I'm like, you know what? I'm just me. Who am I? Who am I? I'm not a political expert. I'm not this expert. I'm not that expert. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ with crazy ideas that usually I'd like to think that he puts in my head <laughs> and, Amen. I'm, and I'm, and I'm willing to be his hands and feet. But you know yeah. what? Other than that, uh, the only good in me is anointed by him. Mm. If I'm left to my own devices, oh, I'm just a sinner. Yeah. Uh, and so from that perspective, um, you know, when you do ministry um, as your calling and when you think of things above and when you have to trust him more and more every day, you just see his love in everybody so much more and you get less and less offended. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that is my message. Rise up, church. Rise up. Love yeah. more. Give more. Um, stop judging that person that you've judged. Um, reach out. Mm-hmm. Pray instead of judge. How about that? There's a good replacement theory right there. Yeah. You know, I need a little replacement action. Um, for I remember when I was addicted to pornography and lust, um, the only way I could replace that, uh, the only way I could, I could say, excuse me, the only way that Jesus defeated that in me That's right. was to replace it with mm-hmm. something better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was a desire, uh, to not offend him, a desire to not hurt him with my body, with my mind, with my thoughts. Yeah. And then he gave me a wife and it was a desire emphasized. He prepared me for that so that I would not want to hurt her or offend her or uh, degrade her or compare her in any way, shape, or form. So um, in that same way, um, to offend um, Chris Jang would be to not be a Christian when you're supposed to be, right? I mean, geez. Yeah. Uh, uh, Church, rise up. Rise up, church. It's uh, my pleading. I'm begging with you. Rise up. Uh, Don't offend. Don't be offended. Love more. Give more. Serve more. You know, that's, that's what we can do. Yeah, for sure. Um, how has this affected your guys's marriage? You know, I'm assuming it has, I know you've mentioned, you know, l- loss of sleep and while you were up at 4am giving chicken nuggets, I was up reading and thinking to myself, I should be asleep, but I was still up. So just I've heard about your schedule. It, it, uh, I have problems, Joan. I've got problems. <laughs> no, I, I, I need <laughs> so, to be more like that. Um, so I'm assuming just, I mean, regular rhythms of life just, you know, that maybe have been totally changed. And obviously, Joan, you're, you know, staying home, kind of taking a sabbatical from work. And Chris, you're, I, I, you've are you always worked full-time in my mind. I had no idea you're only part-time. So until this <laughs> podcast, so oh, and wow. we've been on the same team for about three, three years, years or something like that. <laughs> anyway, we do, uh, we do see each other obviously once in a while, clearly. So. Um, but just how has this like affected your guys's marriage and maybe ways that you guys have had to fight for, um, you know, just your own relationship and cause kids, man, I, I, I met with the dad this, you know, recently and he's willing to throw it all in and it, his wife is ready to boot him. And he like, um, you know, is just struggling and I just want to like, just, man, like your family <laughs> is worth the fight. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, I feel like men, a lot, a, a lot of men had to fight passivity. You know, we see that in the, the fall with um, Adam and Eve. Adam was crazy passive and he let um, his wife and he was there the whole time. It wasn't like he was off taking a nap when this, you know, this was, was taking place and stuff. And so just this, the desire to fight for your marriage and your family, uh, and I could only imagine how that has changed when you have just a whole new rhythm of life with uh, Andrew. Well, 
Chris now sleeps in the kids' room. <laughs> okay, is this like... I'm thinking of the elf, the movie The Elf, when he's like sleeping on this little. Is it? Is this the situation oh, that it we're kind talking? Of is like he's on a like Shiloh's bed that has like My Little Pony. <laughs> all pink. All pink. He's surrounded <laughs> by stuffed toys, and so that's that's you know. And I have the big bed, our king size bed, with both the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, for now, one thing I do know about you guys, your kids have always, it's, yes. all, it's kind of been like yes. A, yes. an old school family it's tradition. Old, it's just me. Um, <laughs> you like the crowd. I don't like it. Okay. I just, there is a crowd at there night There is normally. a crowd, but it's because, and, and I guess, seriously speaking, um, after giving birth, I, I experienced really bad postpartum depression yeah. and anxiety. And part of that, I had to my children had to be right next to me. Yeah. And then they just never left. <laughs> <laughs> like, 35 years later. Yeah, no. In my mind, I'm like, well, when they're 16, they're not going to want to be next to us anymore. Um, Maybe. I uh, mean. Gosh. But anyway, so we have to do like date days. And again, practically speaking, Callister and Alima and any of our other friends, but now they yeah. have a child who want to hang out with our kids during the day yeah, so that we can go out on a date. <laughs> um, those that's helpful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my sister, so my sister Leah asked me yesterday cause they all know Chris's personality. <laughs> um, I would love to ask what that means, but I already know what that means. So I mean, but they're like, she's like, how is Chris? emotionally supporting <laughs> you during this time. Knocking on the tin, you know, just No, really. She's like, how is Chris emotionally supporting you at this time? And I'm like, okay, let me think. Um <laughs> no, but he will call me after I drop off Andrew, which sometimes can be really tough. Really, really tough. I'm crying, he's crying mm -hmm. and pray with me. That's huge. I'm assuming you're talking about dropping off for school? For school, yeah, because okay, okay. he just started school. Okay. Um, and so, you know, he'll pray with me. And like I said, he's constantly reminding me, you know, just that I'm a good mom, a, a good wife, um, telling me I need to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Those kinds of things. But, you know, we, we're, we're fighting for it. We're, Shiloh just started school Wednesday. Andrew's now in school. So, yes. And I'm not working, so that means we can go out on dates while they're in school. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, beyond the serious lack of consistent action, um, then Christopher. What, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is PG, right? Okay. So anyway, now, this um, is a family yeah, podcast. Yeah. 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 These kids didn't just show up out of nowhere. So exactly, it's a reality. Exactly. But um, we have to schedule dates. Mm -hmm. So I finally got a date scheduled. When? Um, I, I finally got a date scheduled um, last Monday. And uh, Joan sent me to the dermatologist to have a cyst removed <laughs> in my upper lip that hasn't bothered me for over 30 years. That's so, what that band is on your head. I'm scared. Yeah, so, <laughs> they, so they cut it out and that took me out for a whole week. And that was it's supposed to be our date date. Yeah, that was our date. So she's like, you can take me to sushi after you get that cut out. Okay. Didn't happen. Yeah, didn't happen. Um, it took me out for like a whole week. It hadn't bothered me in over 30 <laughs> years. It was totally benign. And now it's bothering me every single day. So, um, you know, and, you know, that was our summer date, you know, when we ha actually had some time. But now it's like, you know, every other Monday is um, we're just going to have a day date. Mm -hmm. We're going to take the day off and we're going to concentrate on each other, pray with each other. Um, and, uh, you know, that's it has to be intentional. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to speak to all the guys out there um, because I'm not shy about this. Um, men, you got to put your family first. You have to trust God, right? Your work is not your value in this life. It is not going with you to heaven, right? You will take some of those skills with you, I'm sure, right? and you will serve the kingdom with some of those skills. But it does not define you. It never has. It never will. Wake up and take care of your darn families. Serve your wife. Love your children. Get them in a good place. Make sure that home is the safest place possible, for your children and your family and especially your wife. You can't take care of your wife. Mm. You're not being the man that God created you to be. And uh, I, I have so many friends 
struggling, struggling. And they all have one thing in common. They're not taking care of their families. The ones that do have less problems, Christian or not, the ones that prioritize their families are able to work stronger, better. Uh, their families are better. They may not make as much. They may not, you know, go, I don't know, they, whatever those accolades are. Um, the accolade that is eternal is the accolade of your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's your first ministry. So um, I'm sorry, a little bit of a tangent there, but I, I was very, when I was a youth director at the church, one thing that the guys tell me today, the foster kids that still connect with me on Facebook, they're not kids anymore, of course. You know, mm-hmm. they reach out to me. I'm going to my uh, little bro. I call him my little bro, Austin Welty's wedding in California, um, Saturday, Sunday, flying right back, of course. Um, uh, been with him since fourth grade when the children's ministry asked me if I'd be interested in mentoring a young boy. And I said, yes. And he's getting married. And they all say the same thing. It's like, you know what? You were tough on us. You were tough on us to be gentlemen, to be men, uh, to earn respect. Uh, you were really, really tough on the guys. In fact, when we had Andrew, when we found out it was going to be a boy, Joan was actually afraid. She was like, oh my gosh, what are you going to be like with our son? You know, she saw me how I coached foster youth. Um, but again, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You earn that right to push them, uh, to guide them, to direct them, to demand more of them. And uh, I'm seeing more and more we need that in the men in our church. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, My son Thatcher's only two months old, and uh, and my son Maverick is going to be four next month, and I, I'm intentionally and purposefully way harder on those guys than I am on my daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know it, and I'm okay with it because – uh, there's values that drive why I need them to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little bit of um, appropriate fear. <laughs> uh, it's actually funny. Last night we, we have Callister and Lima over on Thursdays. We hang out mm-hmm. and eat together and just study the word. And Maverick is not supposed to come out of his room. And so he came out and, and you know, I'm like, Maverick, get over here, you know. And he's like, oh, I need a hug, daddy. I need a kiss. And I'm like, come here, buddy. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, you get out of your room one more time. You know what's going to happen? Yeah, you're going to spank me. And I go, yes, sir. So here's your hug and kiss, and I get your rear end in bed. <laughs> Just, and, and not, a, and, and my, my dad was way, way, way overboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I remember. I mean, he would. But there's a sense where I understand now, like, there's an appropriate mm-hmm. healthiness and fear, I think. Um, Mm-hmm. That is good. And I mean, scripture speaks to that as well, mm-hmm. you know, and it, uh, I, I think especially for guys, it helps us to, uh, motivate me to, uh, continue to be simply about Jesus. And I need a little bit motivation. And mm-hmm. so, so do our boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think there's a healthy translation of that fear. You know, it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a, we need to work on our salvation, our sanctification, our ongoing, um, trust in God with fear and trembling. We have to have respect the power and the reality of hell versus the things of heaven above. And, um, there should be fear in that. It should motivate us to serve him more, to love him more, to trust him more, and also to bring others to him. Yeah. Because yeah. think about the, the, the person we're not talking to that's never going to believe in God that maybe we say a prayer for when, the pastor reminds us to pray for that person on your heart. What's their alternative? You know, and that motivates me a lot. And I learned the fear of that in the foster youth. Um, in my 15 years there, 24 kids were killed or taken away overnight within a 24 hour period from our ministry. Um, gang related deaths, shootings, jail, um, transferred, um, out of state, that type of thing, or even kidnapped. Yeah. by birth parents, things like that. Um, 24 of them uh, in my tenure there as a leader of this ministry. And uh, I remember thinking one day, did I plant a good enough seed? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You take that responsibility. It's not your responsibility, but you take that responsibility because in the ministry, um, you teach your volunteers, plant seeds, plant seeds. All right, get that first seed planted, that first little mustard seed, and let's start watering. 
Yeah. Don't worry. God will do the rest. God will do the rest. We just mm-hmm. be faithful. We keep coming. We keep showing them that we're coming here as volunteers, you know, so the, there's an urgency to that. And that, that, that is a healthy fear. Yeah. The fear mm-hmm. of not having everybody with us for all eternity. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate you guys and your time and, um, yeah, grateful for our conversation and I know it'll bless other people. And so hopefully for those who are listening, they can, uh, they now know Chris and Chris's wife, uh, <laughs> both. And so, uh, yeah, thank you guys for your time and thank your willingness you. to kind of share what God's doing in your guys' heart and lives. And maybe, um, when they turn 16, we'll see if they're still in, <laughs> if there's a party still going please. on. So, <laughs> Please, God, no. Pray for that, please. Yes. Thank you. It's okay to pray for them to leave the bed now. I mean, oh, yeah, you know, no. they don't have to wait till they're 16. Yeah, no, I mean, they need yeah. to go now. Yeah. <laughs> they need to go. Yeah. Uh, Lord God, just bless this time. Bless all ears who heard. Open all hearts. Open all minds. Uh, humble all of us. And may we serve you well. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the House on Fire podcast. Please share this so others may be blessed by the conversation we had today. And we'll see you all next time. Go Cowboys. Go Cowboys.